we're back and it's December. It is, I'm horrified I'm gonna say this word. It is now Christmas month. Oh, sod off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We it's... didn't agree to talking about to talking about Christmas things. No, I know. Well, we agreed to talk about festive reads. Is that it? Which neither of us are doing. Oh, hang on. No, no, I do have one. I have one. I take it back. You do? Yeah, I do have a festive read. Are you feeling all right? Yeah, it's about death, but it's totally a festive read. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, an alternative Christmas read. <laughs> it is, it is. An alt Christmas read, that's what it is. And to, and to be fair, none of my books are festive, uh, except for the fact that one of them is set in November into Christmas. That counts. Does it? Yeah, totally, why not? All right then. Well, I did say in that video that yeah. it's going to be an alternative horror-themed Christmas in it, my household. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is on my reading list, I can tell you, <laughs> can tell you that much. It turns out that I'm not big on cheery novels. Who would have thought? Hmm, considering you write crime, yeah, bro. <laughs> shocker. Shock and awe has As, <laughs> resonated around Be The Change. <laughs> I think they felt it out in the Christmas market yeah, yeah. Um, outside because, as you may have gathered readers, I don't know if it... Readers? That's not right. <laughs> Listeners. Yeah, also, We could transcribe it. We, we could. We wait, but we could. No, because we'd have to take out all the expletives that we might accidentally let slip. We've, like, we're on a streak of not swearing. Which might be broken by me. No, I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> You've jinxed it, Charlie. What are you doing yeah, to no, us? No, I've said it. Um, but listeners, yes, there we go, got it right. Um, at this very moment, as we're recording, the Worcestershire Christmas market is happening literally outside our window. Like, you could not get any closer to it, to it without actually being in it. It is so awesome. And we've all, all of us have had a little wander around and it is just mind blowing how awesome it is. And they do baby hot chocolate. Like, and they do toasties. Can we uh, can we just pause here to talk about the cheese toasties? Cheese toasties are essential. They really, really are. And it's like a three cheese toastie where like the cheese ends up being like nearly as thick as the bread. And who oh. doesn't like that in oh. a cheese toastie? Charlie, you just described my food heaven. Yeah, I feel like we should have like a little TBB outing and go and get Bailey's hot chocolate and toasties oh. after we finish recording. And mac and cheese. Could you do mac and, and cheese? Ma- and mac and cheese. Oh my God, could you do like a mac and cheese toastie? Is that a thing? We could make it a thing. Is it a really disgusting idea? I can't tell now I've said it. No, that is a good idea. I mean, I once had a nacho burger. Not kidding. What the hell? What? Okay, so. <laughs> talk, talk, me, talk me through this. I have questions. Okay, so. It's from a well-known supermarket, which may remain nameless, um, but you just cook it like a normal burger from Frozen under the um, oven for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And inside is like, you know, the same sort of filling that you have in nachos. Yeah. Like quite uh, like a bit salsa, quite spicy and cheese, obviously. Um, and then it just sort of melts as it cooks. So the outside's nice and crispy and the inside is just a nice gooey cheesy mess and I love it. So is it, is it like a, is it a veggie burger? Yeah. See, in my head, I, it was literally nacho shaped into a burger between bread. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I was going with it. Ree's judging, Ree's judging me silently Hi. in the corner. Ree's <laughs> um, the first time they've heard me on the podcast. Yeah, no, Ree's, Ree's, throwing some, Ree's throwing some shade my way. Um, but I really genuinely thought that you just put nachos between bread, which I wouldn't be opposed to. See, I think that would end badly. I, I don't know why. I but just, like in a good way? Or? <laughs> sure. Um, this one, first time I cooked said burgers, it did end badly. As in it split in half. Uh, while it was still in the oven. I hate it when stuff like that happens. Right? Although that's not as bad as the pizza fail that I had a couple of months ago. (laughs) 
said, he honestly failed this. How do you incorrectly cook a pizza? Okay. Be damn. Yeah, be damn, basically. <laughs> Everyone should be more damn. Yes. Um, no, essentially, I hasten to add, I'd only been in my new flat for, say, two months. Ish. I mean, <laughs> I don't see how that functions as an excuse, but okay. It was worth a try. And the instructions on said frozen pizza clearly said, place on the middle shelf with no baking tray for 20 minutes. I've done a pizza binge every Friday for like three years. So I'm a pro at pizza binges, apart from this one occasion. Mm-hmm. It may or may not have fallen through the wire gaps, you know, in the gaps in between the wire racks yeah. they have having grill pans and started going all droopy and nearly split entirely as it was cooking. Uh, the whole thing was a big mess and resulted in me having to run out to get another pizza. Uh, it, it did not end well. I was very upset at this point and it also taught me that I actually need a proper pizza baking tray. Which I hadn't got even after two months of moving well, into the flat. What you, what you need is a mother. That's what you need. <laughs> I really do. I need... Mum, come on back. I know you're going to be listening to this. Uh, no, don't. Yeah, don't come back. A plea, a plea to Dan's mum. If you could just come and talk him through how to cook a pizza, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be a life skill worth having. I did... I did. Okay, I think in my defence, I had also consumed a couple of ciders at this point. Oh, okay, well, that changes things. And had had a very long week of work. Uh, uh, any of these excuses are You're resonating. rattling out excuses like nobody's business. Are any of them resonating? No, no. let's just introduce our books. Damn it. Okay. Maybe not all of the books, just... What, a big talk. book splurge? Yeah, just... That ended up like my pizza. Let's just <laughs> let people know what we're going to talk about when we're not talking about food. Yeah, when we're not talking about food and bigging up the wonderful Be The Change, foods who are kind of to put up with our madness each month. Um, <laughs> here feeding us coffee. And here feeding us coffee. Um, Charlie and I are going to be discussing books, which is no surprise, but what's special about this one are is we're actually going to be recommending books for you guys to go out and buy as Christmas presents or even if you just fancy adding to your own to-read pile because let's face it, everyone needs a to-read pile. Mine's about as long as my arm. Um, and we're actually getting better because it was kind of um, on my shoulder <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly getting there. I did manage to finish one of my books in roughly a week, which is good going for me. Was it this one? It was that one, Charlie. Not gonna, I, I know. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell people what it is because I, I want a nice reveal later, but yeah. I'm glad that it was that one because that's the best book. Indeed, and, and this shows, um, the difference between uh, Charlie and I. I have a big pile of books, well, three, uh, right in front of me for inspiration, and Charlie has her notes at the ready. So. I do, I do have notes at the ready. I didn't want to bring them all in because I knew that I would get distracted, especially with one of them because I know that it's got loads of tabs and loads of notes in. Mine too. Um, I mean, one one of my books, literally, I can't even count how many tabs it has, but it's like full of tabs. What we're essentially saying, dear listeners, um, that was almost a plug. Almost. Um, <laughs> Is that you should get some tea and settle in because we've got a lot of thoughts and we've got a lot of things to talk about, but we are going to try and keep it to like a normal length episode. What's normal for us? Anything less than an hour? It's like 45 minutes, Mm. usually. 50 minutes. 45, 50 minutes. Challenge accepted. Challenge challenge accepted. (laughs) Um, So you guys go and get tea and we're going to go and get more coffee and maybe something made out of chocolate. Oh, yes, please. And Mm. then strap in for some book talk. Yeah, I Indeed. (laughs) 
So we're back and we are caffeinated. We have topped up our drinks. Uh, we are now probably way too caffeinated. <laughs> no such thing. No, there is isn't no really. Thing. <laughs> a little bit of caffeine in your life goes a very long way. It really does, especially on a Sunday morning. <laughs> oh yes. And we've had too many ciders and pizza the night before. Charlie looks at me smugly. Yes. Um, yes, there was too much food yesterday, but that's the best part of the Victorian fair being on, surely. Exactly, that's exactly it. And Bailey's hot chocolate. Still not over that tasty. <laughs> I think we should have, because they have mac and cheese out there as well. Yeah. It's like toasty mac and cheese. A mac and cheese toasty. We'll let the listeners decide whether that is a good idea yeah, or we'll a bad start idea. A poll. We can start a poll on whether a mac and cheese toasty sounds like a good idea. Is it bad yeah. that I don't like mac and cheese? What? Yes, get out. <laughs> I took a social media. That yeah, is that's true. true. <laughs> Jinx. And also I'm going to be having knitting sessions with you. Yeah, that is true. We can do like a, a knitting special. Tea bits. Tea. Biscuits. Biscuits. Books, books. Knitting. And pearl stitch. I like it. I'm that. It's catchy. Books. Books. Let's talk about books, the reason we're actually here, yeah. as well as drinking awesome coffee. Yeah. Um, so Charlie and I are going to be throwing our recommended reads at you uh, for Christmas, even though none of them are Christmassy in the slightest. <laughs> none, of, none of yours are. No, none of mine definitely, none of mine fit that bill of Christmassy at all. One of them, as I mentioned, is actually set near Christmas. That's about as close as I get. Close enough. <laughs> close enough, anyway. Close enough. Um, so... We're going to actually kick off with my first recommended read because Charlie and I flipped a coin in the interval and I was unlucky enough to go first. Um, And ironically, it's actually a book that was recommended to me on our last podcast by none other than Charlie Barnes herself. So it's kind of gone full circle. It has gone full circle. I'm so happy that you've read this book. (laughs) So am I, even though I'm emotionally destroyed by it. (laughs) It's a good thing though. Um, So my first recommended read is Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. I managed to pronounce the title properly as well. I've been practicing, can you tell? Yeah, I really can tell. I have a super long title for one of mine as well, so I might trip it. Uh, I'm just reading that title and yeah, good luck to you. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll start it out. <laughs> As we always do. Um, so the reason I went for Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Uh, there's a couple of reasons. One, I knew I'd feel bad if uh, Charlie kept asking me whereabouts are you and I was still in the acknowledgements <laughs> at the very front of the book. Um, but also, um, it is a slightly different genre to me um, that, to the ones I normally read. It's kind of... The best way I think I can describe it is a sort of going through trauma but not going through trauma style book at the same time. It's not your typical uplifting, everything's hunky-dory at the end. It it kind of, um, it builds a very everyday setting, but that is one of the reasons I love it. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's hunky-dory, but in like a a real life way rather than like a proverbial sunset sort of way exactly it's not all sunset and roses it's actually quite a gray i picture if it was if it was in a film i'd imagine grayscale being used quite a lot yeah if you see what i mean um so as you go through the book you meet eleanor obviously um <laughs> who, oh, she's such a beaut <laughs> she is the most relatable character i think i've come across she you know, has a job in accounts, in financing, in this design agency. I also work in a PR agency, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you can tell just from going through the books that uh, Gail Hunneman does a great thing of just dropping these seismic bombs almost yeah. of like, oh wow, 
that happened to her and you keep wanting to read yeah. on and it's like um the conversations that she has with her mummy quite there um mm. you really get the sense they're not all is well in that yeah. relationship and without spoiling it too much it really isn't and yeah it really tugs at the heartstrings i think she does like an excellent push pull between like giving you enough to feel mm. uncomfortable uh, but also making you want to get to some sort of conclusion. Yeah. Um, even though, like, the conclusion itself isn't, like, emotionally satisfactory mm-hmm. because their relationship is so distorted. Yeah. Um, which you understand more when you sort of know the backstory of the book. Um, but I think she does... The, there's a real skill to giving mm. readers a disturbing plot line yeah. that they still want to see through to the end absolutely throughout the whole book I just wanted to give her a hug and it's like not in a way that's saying oh you'll be okay but just literally just hug and hold her not say a word yeah and oh it's just absolutely beautiful and you get to about I think I I remember I was reading it um, quite late at night before I went to bed Uh, dangerous don't do that yeah really really don't do that yeah don't do that um but funnily enough, it did actually help me settle after I played badminton that night. So I don't know how that. And like, works. there is something weirdly comforting about the book. I think yeah. it's. I think it's the everyday element of it. Exactly. It's like, and I, I'm, at the end of my copy, um, I don't know if it's the same copy uh, for everyone, but it actually has a Q and A with Gail. Yeah, Brimmer. this is the edition that I have. So yeah. yeah, it's the same. So it was. I I loved that and. It kind of shows that loneliness affects everybody. Yeah. Like Eleanor is thirty odd, yeah. um, or like early thirties, and you always think um, people in the younger years, like twenties, thirties, that kind of age, yeah. shouldn't be lonely. When actually, it's very much the case a lot of the time. Like even though we're surrounded by social media and people, and you know, we might live in the most biggest city like you might live in london yeah. for example or a big city like that uh loads of people around lots going on and still feel incredibly isolated yeah. because of who you are uh not not maybe not maybe not necessarily through stereotypes but just because you feel yourself like you don't yeah. fit in and i really got that from eleanor um and then you get to about three quarters from the end and i just read uh the first little bits of the uh chapter in the third section yeah and it just straight in yeah. got me in the heart and I was like, oh wow, so this is happening. This is a thing now. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> readers, you may, have seen, um, you may have seen on our Instagram story that I sent Charlie a message saying, oh my gosh, Eleanor has broken me. Uh, not kidding. Uh, there aren't many books that get me like that. It really is. Like, it's a hugely emotional read. And I think one of my one of my favourite things about it when I read it is that Eleanor is a really unconventional heroine. She is. She absolutely is. And I think that's what makes her so endearing. She yeah. has gone through hell and back, but is still, still like, so every day. She hasn't let it push her back she just keeps on going yeah. keeps on going goes through the everyday motions as so many of us have to do and you just when she there's a bit in the um there's a bit in the book where she actually goes into full sort of breakdown yeah. and self-destruction um but it's how she pulls herself through that yeah. that it takes a heck of a lot of strength to do that so I think she's one of the most amazing characters I've come across and Gail Honeyman is an absolutely skilled and talented author. I'm 
I'm amazing. It's actually uh, won uh, the Book Awards winner, the British Book Awards winner as well. Shiny uh, emblem. Like, um, deservedly so. Yeah. It's a really, really beautiful novel. And I think even though it's... Because I'm looking... So on the, on the front of Dan's copy... Dear listeners, um, on the front of Dan's copy, there is an endorsement by uh, Jojo Moyes, mm. who wrote um, oh, that really sad book about the man that's going to die and the woman that loves him, and I can't remember what it's called. I haven't got a clue either. Oh, God, no, I can't. That's going to come to me in about half an hour's time. Or midnight. Um, yeah, or later, and I'll just tweet it. Um, but but people like Jojo Moyes, with the greatest of respect to her, write like these archetypal, mm. maternal, caring women who, even though they, they may get things slightly wrong, generally speaking, they are living their life as best as they possibly can. Mm. Whereas, whereas Eleanor is just offbeat yeah. and isn't living her life as well as she possibly can. Not, not necessarily through like a self-destructive thing, just because no one has been there to inform mm. her on how to, on how to live her life exactly. in a better, uh, open quote, better way, close mm. quote. Um, but I, I think I, I really, I really just think it's a huge achievement to create a woman who is so offbeat, but also so relatable. And I think it says a lot about like contemporary readership yeah. that that we find her so relatable, even though she isn't the the archetypal leading lady. Yeah, and it's like just the way that you just get the one. There's one sentence which I won't say because it will spoil it. Um, but it's like towards the end of the of the third section, and it just sums it up perfectly how uh, powerful she is without yeah. being powerful if you see yeah. what I mean um, so yeah I would definitely definitely recommend this one do I get your seal of approval on this yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah completely I'm really I'm really glad that we've done this um, and also like special mention to Claire Walker who had a little fangirl with me about this book when she was on exactly the last episode because Claire also loves this um, and See why? <laughs> it's just heartwarming, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it really it's really, is. really heartwarming. I'm glad that we started with this book. Yeah. Follow that, that one up, Charlie. <laughs> Strap in, okay? okay? So Why did I challenge that? I'm going to take a swig of coffee to get prepared for this one. My recommendation is kind of a half recommendation because I haven't finished the book that I'm about to recommend. Okay, so half but recommendations we can do that but it's so good so far that i really want people to read it and tweet me about it okay okay which i think is like a recommendation in itself it is so my first book to recommend for people to read at some point over the christmas period is hogfather by terry pratchett whoa okay she followed it up right <laughs> i'm going in strong wow so hogfather is my christmas read oh wow it's <laughs> my festive read because it's death as Santa. Oh my gosh. Pause for applause. <laughs> um, so it's all it's all about the character of Death. Um, and so far there's like this guild of assassins and everyone is making like really inappropriate and funny offbeat comments and I was 25 pages into the novel when I laughed twice in the space of half a page wow and like really really unexpected laugh out loud moments where the dialogue is just crisp and all of the comments they make are on point in like a very black comedy sort of way my kind of comedy and Terry Pratchett does this wonderful thing where he like layers the narrative so characters are introduced early on that seem quite disconnected from each other mm. um, but 
there's obviously sort of like a multi-layering effect that's going to come through towards the end of the novel when all of these characters start to interlink um and it's just it's just beautifully written and hugely entertaining so far and i also think so it's part of the Discworld series, just yeah. for, so people know that. Um, and it was recommended to me because I haven't read any of Terry Pratchett's death novels. And no. I don't know how I've got this far without reading yeah. Terry Pratchett's death novels. Um, so it's not the first in the series, uh, not the first in the Discworld series or the first in the death series. Okay. But I am reading it like without wider context and I'm managing just fine. I think so, that's quite good, actually, because there's always that pressure with series, isn't it? Like, you have to start at the beginning and yeah, go through. Yeah, especially so. with something like Discworld, which is, like, 40-odd books good long. Gosh. Like, it's it's a huge commitment yeah. to say, oh, OK, I'm going to start at the beginning and, and work my way through. When, in truth, I think there are actually only two or three books that need to be read, like, collectively or consecutively, mm. whereas the rest of them, I think, can be read quite well in isolation I think that's the mark of a good series actually yeah. you can just go up in any part of it and be dropped in and it still resonates I think that's quite cool yeah I think it's um, I think it speaks volumes for the strength of the characters as well that you can just be dropped in out of context and like feel an affinity with them um and it's just, it's just beautiful. I really feel like I, we should probably do a follow-up episode when I've actually finished it so I can fangirl fully. Okay. Um, this is just semi-fangirling. This is semi-fangirling. <laughs> this, semi this, isn't, this isn't fully loaded fangirling. Um, but I just think it's beautifully written and there's magic and there's, and there's death. And who, do, who doesn't love death as a character? Clearly um, not you, considering one of your pamphlets is Death is a Terrible House Guest. Thank you, gentle plug. Didn't want to do it myself. Aha, uh -huh. um, checks in the post, right? Yeah, completely. I'll buy you an extra coffee after, after we finished. Um, so yeah, I just think it's beautifully written. It has magic. It has an awful lot of wit, mm. um, which I which I really like about it. There's a lot of gentle humour throughout throughout the opening chunk of the book as well. I think that's uh, symbolic of Pratchett's style, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, completely. He's always managed to weave in humour, even when you're not expecting it. Yeah. Um, he's also absolute master of using x amount of different character voices even though it's um third person but he does like close third person when he's dipping in and out mm. of um of character narratives as it were and um i just it, it's just so polished and like it's everything that i want to be when i grow up as a writer <laughs> um not there yet I'm not I'm never going to be pratchett but i'm certainly not certainly not on the track yet um but yeah i just think it's beautifully written and he does a wonderful job of introducing death and like alluding to the santa claus figure who is different in discworld because it's discworld yeah um but yeah there are there are all of these like references to the fat man open, <laughs> open quote close quote and and like there's just this picture being passed around um amongst the assassins to to say like this is who this is who we're working to take out and and, and people are like but does he exist Ah, um, where we're going here. Yeah, so there's this. The, I don't know. There's some. There's something like weirdly childlike about the whole thing as well, because we're 
like referring to Santa Claus in like hidden hidden discourse, as it were, or like hidden dialogue, where like we don't overtly talk about Santa Claus, and but we don't, you know. yeah, and we don't overtly state whether he's real or not. And I just, I just think it's really, really clever, and everyone should read it, and then we can talk about it again. This is my next recommended read to you. Hey, we're on. Yeah, I, you I have actually, to. I actually already have a Pratchett on my recommended. Uh, oh, books. can you remember Mortary. the title? Mort, I think. <gasps> That's the first death. Hey, there we go. Oh my goodness. Dan, oh, okay, we're so... you need to read Good Omens. I do need I'm to read Good Omens. Because, honestly, it's like the best. That's Reese. That's, That's Reese's recommend. recommended read. <laughs> Reese recommended read. I, I just come in. This is the first time they've ever heard me on this podcast. Hello. Hi. Yeah. The wonderful social media guru. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mort is the first F1. Sweet, there we go. Um, I, think he, I think he might take on an apprentice or something like that. Oh. Gosh, I know Pratchett's just like Pratchett's awesome. Jesus H Christ! Like we need to move on before I start swearing about how amazing. How yeah, we managed to go Pratchett. four podcast yeah, episodes without yeah, you swearing. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. So read Hogfather. It's amazing so far. I can't wait to talk about it again. Next, next. <laughs> so I'm going completely off the curve in my next one. Yeah. As in, I'm talking about poetry. Yeah, going on poetry. Anti-stress poetry. Yeah. Just anti- the best kind of poetry. Right? You really <laughs> love poetry when you've got anti-stress poetry. Yeah. Um, so my next one is uh, entitled The Emergency Poet, an anti-stress poetry anthology. Try saying that five times fast. Yeah. Um, it's edited by Deborah Alma, uh, who is, funnily enough, known as The Emergency Poet. Yeah. So uh, you can see where we're going with this. Can we pause for a plug here? So Deb Alma has, like toured around all over the shop as the emergency poet and literally prescribed poetry to people yes. and she now runs oh, i got an accidental whistle um <laughs> she she now runs the poetry pharmacy yes um oh god i really wish i could remember like a more specific location i want to say that it's like shropshire way but yeah. i might be making that up you shropshire, are correct. No, beautiful um, where it's like a cafe, but you can also like prescribe, have poetry prescribed to you, and have a chat with Deb as the as the emergency poet. Um, and the whole concept is just beautiful and it admirable. Is. And we should take a road trip there. Absolutely. Talk to me about your book. Talk. No, it's not my book. <laughs> I wish it was. Oh my gosh. Um, so uh, it's a collection of various poets, and we're talking the likes of Keats, Wordsworth, and others besides. So already there's some pretty Stella Some names, major players. Yeah, just, okay. you know, those two. <laughs> but um, I'm holding up a copy of my book. And I know everyone can't see it, but there are, let's just say, several tabs. We'll, tweet, we'll tweet a picture we'll so tweet, people can, we'll people tweet can a see Dan's picture, copy. And then you can see just how many of these, that, um, these tabs it contains. So I'm just going to go to a random open one um, called They Don't Publish the Good News. Um, and it's about... This is in the courage and inspiration section. Okay. So it, the book is split into different sections um, for different scenarios in life. And I'm trying to do this quietly so I don't rustle the pages, but I have a habit of rustling the pages. Um, so it goes from when the, for days when the world is too much with us, carp DM, great, I love a carp DM. Yeah. Um, now I become myself, love, obviously, <laughs> getting older, be alive every minute of your life, talking to grief, Courage and inspiration, as I mentioned, hope, and then tonics to lift the spirits. Can we just have the spirits and not the tonics? It's so beautiful. Like it everything is. about this collection is just what people need in their lives. Especially, like, no offense to family, but especially if you have like a family heavy Christmas, yeah, and you just need to take yourself off 
for the length of a poem. Absolutely. Just yeah. to, it's like a pocket-sized pamphlet of goodness, yeah. I think. It's, it's a breathing it's, reboot. It is. And I actually um, bought this book when I was in a bit of a bad time. I very nearly used an explicit term and broke the record. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was sort of back in summer um, of this year and I was just really feeling quite down about things, not not in a good place whatsoever. Um, I came across The Emergency Poet and I was just like, you know what, I'm in a bit of a writing rut as well. I'm just gonna buy it, sit down, sit outside because like, you know, in the heat yeah. wave that we had, it was a lovely place just to sit outside in the garden and read. Um, and already I was just flicking through, one of the tabs is actually one of the um, poems that got me and just That's really... Um, yeah, it was just one of those that really, that really got me, and it inspired me just to get out, get back out there, get writing again, and keep going. And I think anyone who, maybe not, maybe not in a writing room, but in a rut of some description in their lives, needs this book. And I say that with. Um, you know, a bit of emotion in my heart. Don't cry, Dan, you're on a podcast, Dan. Uh, um, I mean, they can't see you, so as long as you do it quietly. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Stop in the corner quietly when you're doing yeah. the next one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's just certain phrases and certain words that I know people will resonate with. Yeah. Um, whether they're going through grief, whether they're going through um, low self-esteem, no matter what it is, there is guaranteed to be a poem in The Emergency Poet for those moments. Yeah. Um, and what I like about the, this book as well is it actually gives a list of recommended reads at the end. Oh, beautiful. So it doesn't just stop there, it keeps going. I love a recommended reading list at and the I, end of a book. It's it's just so, I haven't sort of perused it at leisure, but the fact that that's in there as well just yeah. makes you feel a lot more confident. Um, so yeah, the, the Emergency Poet definitely helped me through a bit of a rocky patch in summer, amongst the many. Um, so yeah, I just hope that anyone who buys it will feel the same as well. So, Emergency Poet, recommended reading number two. Beautiful. From Dan. That sounds amazing. And I'm going to go and cry in a corner. <laughs> I really wish that I'd like chosen anything that's remotely cheery. Because like, Eleanor is a really uplifting novel mm. and The Emergency Poet is a really uplifting collection. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about some hardcore gothic literature while we're... Oh while, my gosh, yes, please. While we're, <laughs> while we're here for festive recommendations. So my second recommendation is actually We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Oh my lord. Right, I'm going in strong, kids. I, I swear this is like complete opposites attract here. Yeah, it really, really is right now. But I read this recently like a few weeks ago um one of my editors actually said oh you should read this because it's one of jackson's best um and hill house is amazing and mm -hmm. i love everything about the novel um but we have always lived in the castle oh my god there's wow. a, a, there's just so much about this book that i love um so the so the premise of it is that two sisters and their uncle live in a little bit of a wrecked and dilapidated house okay. that used to ha house the whole family until the family were poisoned. Okay, so very uplifting. Right, scene I'm good. It's, there. Really, it's really cheery. It's really festive. Um, so the whole family were poisoned. The accusation for the poisoning was pointed at one of the two sisters that lives in the castle. She was acquitted. Mm -hmm. 
but um, the whole the whole family died. The whole uh, well, no, sorry, the whole family should have died. Um, the uncle, I think, was poisoned, but managed to be saved. But now he's quite handicapped mm-hmm. because of um, because of the. I think it was arsenic that she used. Okay. Wow! Um, so she went in strong. Yeah, went for the classic. Um, I like it. <laughs> and now the three of them live in the house on their own, which is kind of on the outskirts of this town. Um, it's walking distance to the town, um, but. Obviously, we have like archetypal mob mentality where mm-hmm. like all of the people in the town are like, oh no, they're they're killers, they're crazy, they're this. Uh, and one like, of those towns. Do you know, I mean, they're not wrong to be fair. Like, <laughs> well, anyone who uses arson, yeah, the family, in their <laughs> the family is a touch offbeat, um, Just but it has like gothic conventions it has beautiful dialogue it has witchy elements which makes me incredibly happy um particularly in a climate of like i'm going to try and pronounce this correctly because it's a little bit difficult for me witchriture i'll give you that that came out right um because loads and loads of female writers are are discussing like elements of witchcraft Mm. and the witch as sort of like female symbolism and i think um castle is a wonderful illustration of that because there's all of this sort of like ambiguity about how how the characters are and how they live and it's just i just think it's really really beautiful and like dan we've met you know Mm -hmm. that i'm in for unconventional female are you leads but you know i know it's a secret i don't like to talk about it a lot even though you just revealed it on a podcast um but anyone who knows me knows that i'm like oh if she's a bit crazy i'll totally i'll totally read that (laughs) Um, and like you get that in bucket loads throughout we've always lived in the castle and and there's this there's a beautiful isolation to it. There's the idea of um, like an intruder encroaching on that isolation, and then the consequences that come about from it as well. And I'm I'm really really hesitant to to like discuss too much of it because alert. <laughs> yeah because because there are there are elements of the book where you you put it down and you're like Jesus Christ how didn't I see that or how didn't I realize that or how did they not see that there's quite a few moments where like you're you're listening to conversations or you're reading conversations that happen amongst the characters and and you find yourself thinking really like they can't hear what they can't hear what they're saying they're not getting to a natural conclusion at the end of at the end of this discussion all right then (laughs) yeah and you and you kind of have to like go along with this ignorance to eventually get to a real Oh God, I want to swear like a holy, a holy bleep, bleep. moment. Yeah, well a, saved. A holy, a holy bleep moment. We are trying our best to bro- really, keep this really record trying. going. Um, I love that we're trying to not swear, <laughs> but equally we're re- we're recommending books that probably wouldn't be okay for kids to take to bed anyway. But that's fine. We can go, we can go along with the not swearing. We, ne- we never specified that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Really. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, we have always lived in the castle. It has gothic elements. It has witchy elements. It has um, mob mentality. Um, what else does it have? It has unconventional female leads. It has comments on sisterhood. It's ticking a lot of boxes. It's ticking all of my main boxes, if I'm completely honest. And it's also, like, really quite short as well. Yeah, I was going to say, Shirley Jackson's stuff, from what I've seen, is 
typically yeah. quite short, like hundred yeah. pages, yeah. something like that. Yeah, around around that. So it is actually quite a quick read mm. to sit down with, um, unlike Hogfather, which is like four hundred and something pages, but it's worth it. Worth it. Anyway. Um, so yeah. So my second recommended read is "We Have Always Lived in the Castle" by Shirley Jackson, and anything else by Shirley Jackson really from my, ex- my from my experience is a good thing to spend some time with Haunting of Hill House of course made into a Aww, TV series I love it so much although the TV series makes me want to flip tables okay is that because of inaccuracies Compa- or? yeah huge inaccuracies also oh god let's not even right like, there's so there's so much about the Netflix series that I just think is an unnecessary bastardisation of the original and that's context so that's, that's technical not, that's that's a, technical. that is a technical term yeah technical term we're not counting that as an explicit yeah technical term and I, I just think I just think it was so remodelled to be like palatable to people who may or may not read the book yeah and, and I just I just resent that really um i understand wanting to make it like more universally approachable but at the same time i'm like it is a it is a classic 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 classic, (laughs) um a classic gothic text and i just i just think i don't know i just think it was refashioned to be a little more horror yeah than psychological thriller which which for me is what the original text is um, so yeah, so I have some problems with the Netflix adaptation, but I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there is an adaptation of We Have Always Lived in the Castle, either either recently released or or coming Going out now. soon. Mm. Um, so do you know, I'll probably be flipping tables about that next year. So that's that's please, something to look forward please to. Please keep all tables within not the ta- like bolt down this table before yeah. we start. We're not going to throw it out of Be the Change no. because we're not like that. No. Because they're good to us. Also, props to the Be the Change team member who <laughs> came in to ask if we needed more coffee and then right? <laughs> and then realised we were recording, so panicked and left. Oh, bless um, her. So. Thank you, Be The Change, for coming to check yeah, out. Kind of yeah, like, no, no, they're recording. So um, just to, just while I remember it, thank you, Be The Change, thank for coming you. to check whether we need more I coffee. I swear I'm not scary. I'm just, I'm just yeah. like, I wasn't, guess. Rhee wasn't actually threatening to kill you. She just, <laughs> just wanted you to be quiet. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's my, that's my PS on Shirley Jackson and my PS to Be The Change. Because that's, that's awesome. That's my second book done. Alrighty, third and final for Dan. Mm-hmm. Now... I may have misled Charlie by bringing in books one to three of uh, this one. So it's actually, the, uh, I'm recommending the whole series actually, probably. Kind That's of. so cheating. I didn't <laughs> know that we could do that. No, I'm recommending the first one. Okay. Um, so my first, uh, my first, no, come on. Third, Dan, we're in the right place. Third book, first we're, in the series. That's right. Thank you. At least someone's got you on, back. Thank you. At least one of us is on this planet in time zone. Um, so it is The Cirque de Freak by Darren Shan. Yes, we are keeping with the horror thing. Yeah, we are going from horror to horror. We are literally going from horror to horror. Um, a very different sort of horror, I think. Because mm. um, Darren Shan, I think I mentioned him, uh, I definitely mentioned him in that video I put out. Yep. And I think I may have mentioned him in one of our earlier yeah, episodes. Yeah, it I might believe. have been like episode episode one. It may well have been. Um, see, keeping with the themes. Yeah. Um, now, Cirque de Freak is the first in um, the saga of Darren Shan series um Darren Chan literally is a character the main character in oh, this okay. series which is amazing he wrote himself as a main character yeah um okay, I have some thoughts but that's fine keep <laughs> it together Charlie okay, it together. <laughs> um so the Cirque de Freak 
is uh, a collection of, well, you might have guessed it, a circus of freaks, mm-hmm. is its literal translation. Um, and we're talking supernatural creatures. There's a snake boy in there, which is Ew. awesome. <laughs> no, awesome. Okay. Um, there's Lotton Crepsley and his dancing spider. Uh, yeah, which... Also, ew. <laughs> hey, she is cute. Um, she, genuinely, she is cute. Okay. Um, and Lotton Crepsley, um, to mention, is also a very important character, um, both in the first book and the whole series. Okay. Um, because essentially, Darren Shan, the character, is uh, your sort of typical teenage uh, boy, goes to school, plays football, very good at football, by the way. Um, not not afraid of uh, scoring hat tricks left, right, and centre. Why haven't we signed him up for England? Um, so, um, and yeah, it just kind of takes place in your sort of typical um, teenage boy setting. Um, he's got a best friend called Steve, um, the one known as Steve, um, and he and Darren have a bit of an interesting relationship. Steve is kind of like the the big bully of the school. And uh, he actually always looks out for Darren and vice versa. Now, things start going a little bit wrong because Lawton Crepsey's dancing spider, because Darren has a real um, fascination with spiders, makes no secret of it throughout the whole book, both of them manage to sneak into the cirque and steal the spider. Okay. From a sleeping vampire. I mean, there's a lot going on in this, Dan, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, I'm trying to give you a bit of a brief interview. Okay. So, um, so yeah, these two guys, because they're suicidal, basically, they've got a death wish, steal a precious spider from a vampire. Said vampire isn't a little bit... Um, is less than a little bit pleased um, and actually comes back and tries to steal the spider back. That then results in said vampire, Lawton Crepsley, turning Darren Shan into a vampire to save Steve. Okay. Because Steve gets bitten by this highly venomous spider who will kill him in like five minutes. Okay. Uh, you can tell we're keeping on the dark theme. Here. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm sort of making notes to make sure that I keep up with um, everything that's going on. But I'm how are you doing I, so I far? So, I mean, I have like a bit of a spider diagram going on, somewhat ironically. Um, but I think I'm with you. Good. So, any questions? <laughs> no, I don't understand it well enough to ask questions yet. Okay then. So I might, I might text you some questions later, which we'll then put on social. Yeah, which um, we'll screenshot and take. Put on Instagram. So the Cirque du Freak, like I say, is the first, it's a really good scene setter, which is why it's my recommended read. You really get to see how these characters will interact throughout the rest of the saga. I won't spoil it for obvious reasons. It's a yeah. twelve book saga. So oh my god, okay, yeah, twelve, um, which is pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, and I, I just find that I could get into that world really quite easily. Um, I could literally picture the setting as my own school uh, because of the way Darren Shan, the author, writes. I have to keep making that yeah. dis- um, that difference. Um, but you do... The reason I've sort of recommended it is kind of because they would do... So, Steve and Darren, the characters, would literally do anything for each other. And uh, that's something quite heartwarming yeah. in that. And I think going through school, um, you need that kind of person, don't you? You need someone who has your back left, right and centre through thick and thin, would even be turned into a vampire for you. You know, that that's the kind of thing that 
resonates with me, yeah. you see what I mean. It kind of feels like um, Supernatural coming of age. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good way to describe it. It, it actually, a lot of Darren Chan's work is my coming of age as a writer. Um, I started reading his work and just really started getting the bug for writing. No pun intended with a spider. <laughs> um, so I just felt it was quite important to go for a book that helped me sort of kickstart my writing and reading yeah. in many ways. Uh, a lot of, I draw a lot of inspiration from Darren Chan's characters and the way he sets the plot out. There's there's not like reams and reams of dialogue or reams and reams of description. It's a perfect balance in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you get a sense of what happens in the Cirque. Uh, you also get a sense of how that experience of Darren the character and Steve going to the Cirque and being just mesmerized by these supernatural people, these supernatural pe uh, beings, um, and how that then shapes the rest of their lives, lives being in the book. Yeah. Um, and it does make for a wonderful saga. Um, there are moments throughout the rest of the saga, which I won't spoil too much, where it you do genuinely go, no, like, oh my God, no, please, no, kind of thing. Yeah. And even in the Cirque as well. Um, and you mentioned flipping tables because of screen adaptations. Yeah. The film adaptation of Cirque de Freak literally made me want to flip the cinema screen because there are a lot of, yeah, there's so much wrong with that film. If you hadn't read the book, it's a great film. However, I read the book and I was like, no, no great film i'm trying to love it for a film but no i think we need to do like a tbb special where we talk about books that have been adapted into films or television series and how good or bad they are yeah i reckon so yeah pretty much because there are some that even though even though they're not the most accurate adaptations they're not terrible no yeah you do realize i've got a university module all about that see we next can even semester. get we can even get rion we'll awesome. do it we'll do it next semester we'll next have semester a... when i've had my my final university module no. yeah <laughs> but yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. we can do that i think that that needs to be i effect. think there's a lot to talk about yes <laughs> i get very aggy about this stuff as well yeah it so might be like a two-hour special a two-hour yeah, special yeah. in which tables may or may not be may or, may or may not be flipped <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's my my third. Beautiful. Third and final. Now. Do I need to brace myself here? I would if I were you. Okay, strapping in, having coffee. Um, so I was really, really struggling with what to, with what to recommend because I sort of wanted to recommend a little bit of poetry, but I sort of mostly read crime fiction and I'm kind of obsessed with Agatha Christie. Of course. So I... I was thinking of recommending some Agatha Christie for people over the holidays, but then I remembered that this book exists. Oh, um, this one piped up. Yeah, um, which is kind of a game changer, and I have a lot of thoughts about it, mm -hmm. because, disclaimer, it's one of the ones that I talked about in my doctoral dissertation. Aha, special place in the heart. Yeah, special place in the heart, special place in the uh, academic background. So my third recommendation is The Driver's Seat by Muriel Spark. Um, Already so, I'm like on the edge of my yeah, seat. Like, it's such a good novel. It's also super short. Oh, okay. Um, so... 130-ish pages from memory. That's nothing really, isn't no, it? It's bite size. Super, super short. You could eat you could eat it. You could um, you could read it in an afternoon. We could eat um, it. In an could eat it in an afternoon if you wanted to, but I wouldn't recommend it. No, it's um, have it with indigestion, doesn't it? So Muriel Spark is really, really well known for her short stories. Um and there are a couple of her novels that really stand out as well, but the driver's seat sort of like fell down 
fell down the wayside big time. Okay. Um, I only found it because it was referenced in a journal that I was reading. Um, and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I might be able to use that. Um, and I'm going to... I'm gonna have to spoil it because the, because the book is so short and the hook of the book is is kind of the is kind it's of the impossible. yeah it's I'm so spoiler alert I'm really sorry but you should still read the book anyway sorry not sorry sorry not sorry um so the protagonist finds her own murderer heck pause for applause second time second book in a row God, Charlie, you're right um, today right so so the protagonist is a really offbeat lady who at the start of the novel is talking about going on holiday and she's super excited to be going on holiday and when she leaves her very boring desk job um she keeps telling people that she's looking for the one the one and only yeah and for and for for a significant chunk of the book considering the length of it you think okay she's going to try and find a romantic partner mm-hmm. and even though she's like a little bit something's not quite right about her you buy into this idea of her going to try and find a romantic partner mm-hmm. um until you realize what she's actually doing is finding a man who she believes will be susceptible enough to be sort of like coerced into murdering her oh Okay. And, and, Was and I she, yeah, that? it's really, really interesting in terms of like psychology, um, in terms of like guilt attribution, um, and and in terms of like attributing victimhood appropriately as well. Because because by the end of the novel, there's this huge question about whether she's the victim or whether he's actually the victim. Yeah. Because he's been. Do you know, like mm-hmm. hunted down and, and coerced into doing something that he actually really didn't want to do, oh and and feels quite a significant amount of regret for having done. Um, but in terms of the violence that's enacted out, or in terms of the violence that's attempted, he isn't the victim; she is, and it creates this really, really interesting set of questions about like female victimhood, um, and I, I guess like the misappropriation of violence maybe Mm. is being like a stereotypically masculine thing which Mm. is obviously why I like it so much Um, but it's a really really clever novel it's really accessible again it has an offbeat female protagonist yeah I'm getting I'm getting some themes running through running through my reads but that's fine (laughs) Um, yeah and it's just really enjoyable and Spark has like a really crisp neat way of delivering things Mm. Um, and she like even though even though the protagonist is like you know that there's something odd about her it's done in really subtle ways i love it um so like for for it for example her clothing like she she wears things that don't necessarily match Uh, and like that (laughs) yeah i mean like that isn't that isn't necessarily problematic like i i wear things that don't necessarily match and i'm not going to go out and like find my own killer but Mm. but like spark so spark does a really good job of like marking her out as odd but maybe in like potentially quirky ways rather than rather than severely offbeat ways Mm. so so through like the gentle quirkiness she just builds and builds and builds until suddenly you're like wow this lady has problems (laughs) Um, and I just think I just think it's a really clever novel. I think it's beautifully executed, and I also think it's one that people aren't especially familiar with, mm. um, which is another reason to read it because Spark has a wonderful back catalogue. But I think this is like her least appreciated work, and there was qu- there was a fair bit of controversy around it as oh, well okay. because of when it was published and 
like I'm not going to go into it because there's huge amounts of detail around it but like what was happening happening in feminism as a political movement at the time when it was published uh, right it was um, around that sort of time I was going to ask when about yeah, it was published that makes sense 70s from memory yeah. um, and I just think it's beautiful and really clever and really unexpected um, and I, I really like the subversion of like so how we were talking about the or how I referenced the Jojo Moyes novel earlier, mm. where you have like this archetypal female character who just happens to find a handsome man to love. Yeah. I think I'm going to use this word again. I think it's a really good bastardization of that. No of expletive. That, of that <laughs> plot arc where like the woman finds her perfect man, and then at the end of it, it's like to kill her. Um, yeah, and I just, I just think it's really clever. Oh, that's really smartly written. I'm just, just going gonna, gonna, gonna to give you a minute to take all of that in because the driver's seat is a lot for a short novel. I'm going to just quickly make a note of that. <laughs> um, uh. But yeah, it's just it's just beautiful and clever. And um, yeah, I just think it's wonderful. I so like that's it. my third recommended read. Thank you very much. We've got a hat trick going on. I feel on. like that was a real mic drop to finish on. <laughs> well, <laughs> to finish drop, on that one. Yeah, a proverbial pen drop. Proverbial pen drop. Um, I think we need to have a proverbial pen drop at the end of each episode. So, yeah, I think we're going to let that sink in. Yeah. We're, we're going to get some more coffee. And chocolatey stuff. And, cho- and more chocolatey stuff because, you know, it's Sunday. Yeah, um, and we need things. And then we'll be back with with festive goodbyes. Festive goodbyes. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Only until January. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> so we will be back in two seconds now. Okay. We reached the end. Um, we made it. We made it. Several cups of coffee were consumed, and I'm still traumatised by some of Charlie's recommended reads. Um, although, to be fair, I think you're more traumatised by my third one. A little, yeah, a little. You're still trying to, you're still trying to work it out. Aren't yeah, you? if I'm completely honest. Okay, brief run through: vampire, spider, turned, friends, bad. Okay. In that order. Okay. Are you with me now? I'm with you. Good. <laughs> I'm as with you as I'm going to be, if I'm totally honest, Dan. So, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> That's you normally. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is actually our last episode before the new year and Christmas. Um, so, that does make me sad. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, but at least we'll get a rest over Christmas. What's a rest? It's when you knit lots. Mate, I've got a dissertation tomorrow. I yeah. I'm not going rest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ree's got a dissertation. Got I've got marking. Maybe we won't be resting at all. No, I'm going to and from Cheltenham every yeah. day up until the 23rd, so... Yeah, we'll sleep on Christmas Day, though. Yeah, that's that true. That'll be nice. I'm <laughs> boxing day after having lots of food. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That's a very good thing about Christmas. Yeah, very true. So, um, so, so social medias. Yep, it falls on me this month. Yay! People can't see how smug I am, but believe me, just, I'm smug. <laughs> just think of, um, yeah, think of the smuggest person you know times that by five, and you're quite close to how Charlie's feeling. Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> so I'll start with the easier ones first. Um, we are obviously on the Facebook. Uh, just search for Tea Biscuits Books Podcast and we should pop up, uh, unless Dan set up the social media channel wrong. Um, we are also on the Twit, uh, um, <laughs> we are at TBB underscore pod. We are also via email because everyone needs an email address nowadays, apparently. Um, you can get in touch with us at teabiscuitsbookspodcast at gmail.com because we like to talk and Yeah, stuff. just email us. Tell us what you're reading. Just email us, say hey, recommended reads and coffee, uh, tea, various other beverages will yeah. also be accepted. <laughs> um, 
And now for the fun one. <laughs> uh, because I can't set up Instagram properly. <laughs> so Instagram, as Charlie's written it in her notebook, we are, takes a deep breath. No, that's not our handle. We are at T, as in the drink, underscore biscuits, underscore books, underscore podcast. Please tell me you got all that because I'm not repeating it. You set that up. I'm just going to continue to remind you of that lengthy Instagram handle that you set up. <laughs> I, set, I set it up because the one I originally wanted had been claimed by someone. That's because tea biscuits and books is just a popular area of discussion. Because. Hence why they call it a podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think that's everything. We made I it. I think we're done. Oh, you can reach out to us individually because we're, oh, yeah. we're both on the social medias. I forgot about that. Um, so I'm at... <laughs> Charlie, spell C-H-A-R-L-E-Y, blogs on the Twitter and on the Instagram. That's my handle for both of them because I have no memory and I need all of my stuff to be the same. Um, You can also catch up with Writerly Things on uh, my Facebook page, which is Charlie Barnes Writer. Um, If you search for that, I will pop up and you will see all of the Writerly Things that I'm doing when I'm not drinking coffee and reading books. (laughs) Uh, and I am also across all social channels. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DJBurton007 because I'm James Bond. Um, also, Instagram, I am at DanBurton10 uh, because reasons <laughs> for numbers. Um, and my Facebook page as well is Daniel Burton Author. Uh, you can find me that way. And I think we should also give Rhi a bit of a shout out for looking oh, after yeah, our Rhi, social channels. Rhi, who takes our pictures and um, updates our social medias when we're busy <laughs> talking nonsense. Yeah, I'm um, trying to and kind of remember what my handle is. Twitter is littlereree underscore. Well done. Am I right? Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I have to look at me to change. <laughs> I've had them for so many years and I've never changed like the, uh, uh, like, you know, the Twitter handle ever. And Instagram is healthreality98, I think. That is correct. Beautiful. So you can catch up with all of us. All of us. Yes. We're getting a little team going. We are getting a we little are. team. We're going to get a following. That's what we're going to do. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> um, so... Thank you to everyone who stuck with us for the first ep- for, whoa, first four episodes. God, well done. Goddamn words. <laughs> um, These words. It's been great fun, it I has. think. Yeah. Um, and I very much look forward to continuing this in 2020. Me too. Can't wait. So happy holidays from us. Um, please eat too much and let us know what you're reading. Because, yes. you know, we're in for recommended reads. We love recommended reads, as this episode has proven. Yeah. And we will speak to you next year. That you will. Happy holidays. <laughs>